All right, if you will, if you will, this morning, turn with me to the gospel according to John, chapter 4. Our text will be in verses 28 and 29 this morning. That's John 4, 28 and 29. They read this way. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Let us pray. O Lord, how gracious and holy thou art. I thank you, O Lord, for this morning. I thank you for bringing those that thou hast brought here today. And I praise thy name for them. I praise thy name for thy truth. And I pray, O Lord, you would be pleased to open up our ears and our hearts to receive thy truth. Lord, may it be spoken. May you loose the lips to speak thy truth of the everlasting gospel. May you show us, Lord, the depth of thy grace once again. And Lord, may you quicken us to never be tired of hearing about thy grace. Make us alive in thy son and give us an awareness of his presence in our life. And Lord, may we hear his voice this day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In our text this morning in John 40, John 4, 28 and 29, we have this beginning, the woman then left her water pot. There's so much depth in that water pot. This morning I'm going to talk a lot about that water pot. That water pot was her dependency. That water pot was her life. That water pot was what she was known as day in and day out. She got up, she went to the well at the same time. She had a plan for her life every day. That water pot was her security. That water pot is made up of many things that we'll talk about this morning. We all know this account. We know this is where the Lord came and met one of his. And that's the first point I want to make this morning out of everything that's going to be said. We must establish where grace begins. And this passage, just like every other passage in the Word of God, doesn't leave us to begin by thinking, is it left to man? Is it left to, to chance? Is it left to, what is it left to? Well, I tell you this morning, dear ones, if you are a sinner saved by grace, then the Lord Jesus Christ must have begun with you. He must needs go to your soul. He must needs call you. If you begin, our story begins today in verse 4 of chapter 4. And that's what it says. He must needs go through Samaria. This was not a geographical need. He did not need to go through Samaria to get where he was going. He went out of his way and he went there for a reason. He went there for not just one sheep, as we'll see today, but many sheep. They were lost. Our Savior left the 99 and he went and sought the one that was lost. And he went and sought the ones that were lost. But I want you to know today, and I hope the Lord has taught you this in your soul, that he is the one who begins with a sinner. You will not come to him. You will not seek him. You may seek him in many ways, and you'll see what's in her water pot this morning, which I believe has been in our water pots in our life may still be there present today. But in verse 4, we're told he must needs. He, the Lord Jesus Christ, must go 
through Samaria. So that's the beginning of our journey, so to speak, this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ must needs go through Samaria. Now, if you turn with me over a couple of pages to verse 9. Jesus had already said those words to her, give me to drink. That was the first dialogue that he had with her. She came, she saw Jesus sitting on the well, Jacob's well. And he said to her, give me to drink. His disciples were gone away. But then the woman said something to him in verse 9. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it? How is it thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? She has two marks against her. She's a woman where men did not speak to women openly. And she is a Samaritan. And the Jews had no dealing with them. And I believe that in our life, as the Lord begins to open our eyes and begins to, we first hear the truth. We hear it outwardly. We hear it not inwardly. We hear it with our ears. And that question comes up, why, Lord, would you come to me? Why would you put this gospel in front of me today? Why would this be in my path? If you're beginning to be awoken. And that's her question. Why is it that you are coming here? Tradition says you are not to speak to me. Society says you are not to speak to me. When we look into ourselves and we see what's in ourselves, a sinner who is in need of grace every day, a sinner who continues to sin even after we're awakened to know our Lord and Savior. A sinner who still wanders away from the shepherd every day. A sinner who still has doubt every day of his life whether he's even a child of God. Sometimes doubting whether God even exists. And when we see the hardship in the world and we feel the hardship in the world and we look at everything going on, those questions go out sometimes. Why? Why, Lord, would you ever condescend and come down to meet me? Who am I that you're mindful of me? Why would you do such a thing? And that's the question that went to Jesus. Now, Jesus' answer in verse 10 sets the stage for life. It sets the stage. It gives you the answer for every question you'll have in your life. It gave her every answer she will ever need in her life. But she didn't recognize that. You and I don't recognize that. Not without the Holy Spirit. Not without the Holy Spirit coming to our soul and teaching us the two things that Jesus said was absolutely vital she had to have. Verse 10 said, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God. And that's the first thing. The first thing that he reveals to us is it is a gift of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is that unspeakable gift that Paul wrote about. He is the gift of grace. He is the gift of salvation. And if only we knew it was a gift. That's the beginning. Put down your duty. Put down your works. Put down what you must have to do to come to Christ. You're not coming. Your fall in Adam secured the fact that you will never come to him. Your depravity that lives within you 
secures the fact that you will never come to him. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. That's how a sinner comes to Christ. So the very first thing he says to her is if you knew the gift of God, if you knew it, this is the answer. Like I said, she, we already know what our text is today. She's going to finally leave that water pot. She's going to flee. She's going to go with the gospel in her heart. She's going to go with the, the life in her soul. And she's going to go tell everybody about Christ. But something has to happen first. And as we meet her now at this point, she's so filled with what she knows. And she tells Jesus, this doesn't make any sense. Why would you speak to me? And Jesus tells her two things. If only you knew the gift of God. You wouldn't ask me these questions. But that's not the second. The second point is this. And who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink. If we only knew the gift of God was the unspeakable gift in Christ. And if we only knew the person of Christ. We wouldn't be a wandering sheep. We wouldn't be looking within ourselves for salvation. We wouldn't be clinging to that water pot. We wouldn't be looking into our intellect. We wouldn't be looking into our customs. We wouldn't be looking to the one sitting next to us to live off their faith. If we knew the gift of God and we knew the person of Christ, life is satisfied. Life is answered. Christ said, I am life. He that has the spirit of Christ in him has life. He that doesn't is dead and has no life. She comes to him and says, why do you come to me? He answers her in two, a one compound statement with two answers. If you knew the gift, that it was a gift of God, and you knew that gift was the person of me, that I am salvation. If you knew those things, Jesus answers and says, you would have asked of him. You would come to me and ask of life. You would say, you are life. You would have asked of me and I, and he would have given thee living water. Living water. This is the beginning of the dialogue that she has no idea what Jesus is talking about. She's come to that water Every day of her life. That's what she does. She provides water for her village. She brings the water pot to do so. She sees the physical water. And she believes that's the life sustainer. For all the people back in the village. And it's true. We can't live without water. And that's the depth of how she sees the water. Jesus tells her about a living water. The water of Christ in your soul. The seed of Christ to give you life. To bring you from death to life. Is that what's missing in your life today? Do you have life in Christ? Or is your life still that physical water that you drink? Is your life still wrapped up in your water pot? Because that's very important to her. And that's our setting this morning as we find out that grace, Jesus must needs to go there. And we see in everything she's had to say that she's lost. She has no understanding of the person of Christ and she has no understanding of the gift of grace in Christ Jesus. 
So what about those water pots? What about that water pot and how important is that water pot to her? Well, the first thing we see in her is her logic and understanding. That's one of those things that's made up of this water pot is made up of her logic and understanding. Jesus told her now. He told her, if, if you only knew the gift of God, if only you knew the person of Christ who's standing right in front of you, if only you knew that you would ask for living. water." So now she reverts back to her logic and understanding as we pick up in 11 and 12. The woman saith unto him, sir. Thou hast nothing to draw with. She looks at him. He's talking about living water. And she says, you don't you don't have a bucket. You don't have a water pot. You don't have anything to draw this water with. Logic. She surveys the situation. She sees it. That's what she believes. And she says, you don't have anything to draw with. The well is deep. From whence then has that living water? Where can you say that you possess this living water? You're thirsty. You're sitting on this well. I see the humanity that's in you. You're thirsty. Where do you have this water? My understanding tells me that you can't get to this water. Are you greater than our father Jacob? This is Jacob's well. This is the well that Jacob uh, dug many, many years ago that we have come and we've gained this water from years and years now. Are you greater than my father Jacob? Yes, dear one. A greater than Jacob is here. Are you greater than our father Jacob which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And the first thing we're focused with, the first thing we're hit with is logic and understanding. How much understanding do you have based on what you see? What you see physically, what you know of Jesus physically, what you hear in sermons, what you read, what you how much of that do you know by your understanding? How much have you filtered by your understanding? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. The wisest man ever to set foot on this earth, Christ accepted, of course, who was given the wisdom and the Holy Spirit caused him to write these words and to say, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. Well, that's quite a revelation. We have an understanding today about a lot of things. We think we understand our jobs. We think we understand the economy. We think we understand politics. We think we understand the world. We think we understand religion. But the word of God says, don't lean on your understanding. What is she doing? She's leaning on her understanding. This is what I know about this well. This is, what, this is what fills my water pot every day. These are the things I base my entire life and existence on. I know that this is Jacob's well. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways, that's the, verse 6, acknowledge him. Who is him? The Lord Jesus Christ. If only we knew the gift of God in the person of Christ. In all our ways, acknowledge Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, and He shall. That shall means it's of a 100% certainty. He shall direct thy paths. What is that path? 
What is our path here in life? If you're a child of God, there's one path. It's the old path. It's the path, the eternal path, that leads to Christ. It is the way that's in Christ. Now listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2. And this is very instructive, experiential. Now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we have all knowledge. You say, well, what are you up there talking about idols for? I don't have idols. Really? You don't have idols? You don't have electric devices that you use every day that you depend on? You don't have that TV you look at to, to get your knowledge? You don't have the person next to you that you depend on for, for whatever it is you depend on? Idols. Things that take the place of Christ's voice and Christ's presence in our life. And Paul said, touching these things offered unto idols, we know that we have, that we all have knowledge. But knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. Do you know that? Why am I saying all this? Because what's going through her mind, what's happening to her now, is she's being stripped in the stripping room of Christ. He is tearing down that he must lift up. He is breaking down that which must be built up upon the sure foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not on her understanding, not on her knowledge, not on what she thinks is the way, not on where she thinks this well is where the answer is. So let's see what Jesus is into in 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Water he's pointing to in the well. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Where does the water come from? Where does the living water come from? Christ is showing her dependency all her life has been on that water pot to bring forth that water to sustain her life. And Jesus is telling her. The living water. Life is really in another. Your dependency can't be on that water pot. Your dependency has to be on me. He already told her that. If you knew the gift of God. If you knew the depth of grace. And if you knew the person of Christ. If you knew who was standing before you. I give you this water, you will never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. Certainly you can tell he's talking about a different water. Certainly this is a spiritual water. This is a life-giving principle. Jesus is talking about, you think life is in that water pot? You think life is in your duty where you come here every day? You think that life is in Jacob's will? Do you think life is in what ceremonies and what uh, traditions that you've had and what you've learned where you've been? You think that's where life is? Jesus says, I am that life. I am that. Jesus said this, well, in John 15, 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abideth in the vine, no more can ye. That's what he's telling her today. 
No more can ye depend on that water pump. No more can ye. If I give you life, you will depend on me. No more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then those words, those words he must speak to our souls in this hour and the hour to come and every day of our life. For without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, ye can do nothing. He's teaching her dependency. The water that you came to get is nothing. The water that I give is life. That wasn't all that was in her water pot. She had logic. She had understanding. But she also had a lot of dependency on earthly relationships. She had a lot of dependency on man. Jesus said unto her, this is verse 16, go and call thy husband and come here. Now remember, our Lord knows everything about us. We can't hide our sins. We can't hide from him. Jonah tried to hide. The child of God will be found out. The Lord says to her, go and call your husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Uh-huh. I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom you now are with, thou now hast, is not thy husband. You've had five husbands. We don't know if she was put away because of divorce. We don't know if her husbands died. We don't know. All we know is she had five of them. She keeps trying to fill herself with earthly relationships. You see that? The first one's gone. I got to move on to the second one. That's where life is. It's in these relationships that I have. And this one didn't do it for me. So the next one will. And the next one will. And the next one will. And for all of this. Jesus is showing her. Stripping her again. This is what you depend on. This is what you've come here every day. This is your knowledge. This is your understanding. This is what you say you have need of. This is where you have lived your whole life in dependence upon others and your own logic. Today, you're going to have that stripped from you. So he says to her, which he said, you have five husbands. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. Stripping. Stripping of those relationships. Now hold your finger there. Turn with me. We're only going to go to a couple places today, but this is one of them. Go to Matthew 10 with me real quick. Now, I don't want to stand up here and tell you earthly relationships are bad. We just want to say what Christ said. That's all that's important. Doesn't matter what my advice is to you or anybody else's advice. Paul said it was, you know, he, he didn't think it was good to be married, but he didn't cast any stones at those who were. But let's, let's look at what Jesus says in chapter 10. Look at verse um, 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. 
For I am come to set a man at variance against his father. What? That doesn't sound like love, Lord. What is the purpose of this passage? Well, he doesn't leave us without understanding. I come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foe shall be they of his own household. Lord said, I come to put variance there. We say, well, that's kind of hard. Christ is the divider. Christ is, he has a way that a sheep must walk in, the way of Christ. And sometimes that path goes against the ones that, that we have been taught all our, all our lives and had those relationships with. But the key to understanding the whole thing is in the last verse that he says here in 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me. See, it's okay to love your father and mother. It's okay to love those around you. It's okay to love your wife. It's okay to love your husband. It's okay to love your children. It's okay to have relationships. It's a mercy of the Lord to give us a help me, to give us one to grow with, to give us one as heirs together with, to put two together that no man put them asunder. The fruit to give us children and and to open the womb and to bless the families with children. It's a wonderful gift. But can they be idols? Can all of these be idols? Can our wives and our husbands and our children and the ones we love, can they be idols? Sure they can. Jesus wouldn't warn us against it if they couldn't be. We can put them in the place of our Lord. We could put them in the place as Lord. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what he's telling her. He's telling her about the one husband she has need of. He's telling her about the true husband. You've had five. You've left them and now you're living with another one. And guess what? What you need is the husband. But Jesus says, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And then we're searched again. The Holy Spirit comes to the child of God and says, is that you? Is that I? Is that... Is that me? Do I have earthly relationships that I put above? Because Christ is our husband. Christ, that's, that's what he's telling her. You don't need all these earthly husbands. The one that's meeting you today is enough. He is the husband. 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this in 11.2, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband. That husband is the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his bride as the church. It's one husband. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 54, 5. For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. Is the Lord your husband that way? And I'm a man and I speak it the same way because he has to be that to me. I know what the role of a husband is here on earth. I fall very short of it. 
I'm not the father to my children I should be. I'm not the husband to my wife that I should be. But this husband has never let me down. This husband has never faltered. This husband has never went another way. He's always been there. And he's always there for his church. And he's always there to protect his church. And he's always there to nourish the church. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And so he puts down the earthly relationships. So we have two things in our water pot now. We have carnal logic and we have understanding. And then we have earthly relationships. But dear ones, that's still not all. You know what else she's got in there? She's got religion in there. She knows a little bit about religion. She knows some things about what she's been taught her whole life. And that's in that water pot. And that makes her who she is. And now she's looking and saying, I've got more knowledge. Let me, let, me, let me hit you with this. And so in verse 20, she says this. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. This is John 4, verse 20. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She comes to him with her, her religious knowledge now. He's telling her about what life is. She perceives now that he's a prophet. Because he knows things about her that she didn't think anybody knew. And now she's being searched. And so what she's going to bring forth out of the treasury of herself is what she knows about God. What she knows about religion. And that too, dear ones, must die. Our understanding of logic in this life must die. Our relationships and dependency on relationships in this life must die. And our knowledge of religion must die. We can't live off of what we learned in Sunday school. We can't live in what we have a, a knowledge of in our head. We can't. She's been taught this. She said, our fathers have worshipped in this mountain and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. But listen to Jesus' answer in 21. Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain where your superstitious worship is taking place, nor yet at Jerusalem, where their ceremonial, legal worship and all of that mess to, can do, all of that is going to end. Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. Boy, I tell you what, no man's going to tell you that because that's going to make you mad. It's going to make you angry. Me standing up here telling you that religion must die in your life makes you mad. Makes you kick against the pricks. Makes you say, well, wait a minute. I've got all this knowledge. Knowledge of what? What is the knowledge of Christ? What did, what did Jesus say? If only you knew the gift of God. If you knew the grace in Christ Jesus. And you knew the person of Christ. That's all you knew. 
That's where life is. That's where understanding is. That's the beginning of soul work. That is soul work. Living on Christ. The seed that's in us. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. It came to the Jews. This is where salvation came. Do you know where salvation is as you're worshiping up here in the mountain? Because Jesus already said they're, they're, they're worshiping down in Jerusalem. They don't know where it is either. Listen to this. Jesus said the hour comes. The hour cometh and now is. Now is. He's come to her soul. The hour has come and now is. He's speaking in front of her. He's speaking with power. He said and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. What is the qualifications for worship? The Holy Spirit and the truth of Christ. The Holy Spirit and the truth. That's it. Not a building. Not any other kind of doctrine. Not all the, the things in theology that we hear are so important. What is true worship? Where the Holy Spirit speaks the things that Christ did to your soul. That's spirit and truth. Jesus said that hour has come. That hour came to her that day. When has it came to you? Has it came to you? Has the Lord taught you that? Has He taught you that water pot that you keep with your understanding and all of your relationships and all of your religion? Is it nothing? Is it empty husks? Is it something that you have to cling to because that's where you think life is? God is a spirit, he says in 24. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That is the qualifications of worship. The Holy Spirit must be present. Or anything we do today is worthless and for naught. If the Holy Spirit is not present. If the Holy Spirit doesn't bring the word of God to your soul, you won't hear it. You won't understand it. You may even despise it. You may even think you're so far above it, you don't need it. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. He's teaching her one-to-one -one union. You must die to self to live to Christ. That's what Paul said. For me to, die, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Dying to what? To self. And all of this knowledge that we think we've accumulated and all this knowledge we think we have. 25, she comes back with another answer. Her last answer, by the way. The woman said unto him, I know. One more, something else she knows now. Told you she's a religious woman. I know that Messiah comes. I've been taught that. I know that He's coming. I've learned that. I know that He's coming. And He's called the Christ. And when He's come, He will tell us all things. I know that. I'm a, I'm a good little student. I learned that. I learned that when Christ comes, He'll tell me all things. And that's head knowledge. Because what's missing is the next verse. 
This is what needs to come to your soul. He must needs come through Samaria. He must needs go past your hardened flesh, past your resistance, past your knowledge, past your religion, and come to this to say these words, Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I am. I am the I am. That's what Jesus must speak to you. He is the Savior. He is the anointed one. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's where the power lies. Not in what we know. It doesn't matter what we know. She knew that the Messiah was coming. But she didn't know he was in front of her until he opened her eyes and said, I'm he. It's me. I'm the Savior. I'm the living water. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said unto him, to Thomas, remember Thomas said, Lord, how will we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no man can come to the Father. No man cometh unto the Father. But by me. I am. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Remember the Pharisees when they were so angry with Christ. And what he said in John 8, 58. He said, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. This is the eternal Christ. Oh, if only we knew the gift of God, if only we knew it was a gift every day of our life, if only we knew the power of grace to, to rest in Christ. All of our worries, all of our complaints, all of our would be gone. And if we knew the total person of Christ and what he's finished for all of his children and salvations in him and him alone and justifications in him and him alone and he is sanctification and he is everything he is all and in all. If only we knew that every day and every hour of our life. If only we knew. If only we knew. Oh, the peace. Oh, the rest that's in Christ Jesus. And all the fears would be gone. And all the unbelief would be gone. Speak to us, Lord, that you are you are the I am. Then we come to our text. See the power? Where the, where the word of the king is, there's power. This one here with her water pot will be willing in the day of his power. All of her life, every day, same thing. Come here, get water, give nourishment to the people in the village. This is what I know. I've learned my religion. Been married a few times. Got a lot of relationships. What's important now? Now that the I am has said to you, I am. What's important? The woman then left her water pot. She left it. It's symbolic. She left it. She doesn't need it anymore. She doesn't care about the physical water. She cares about the living water. The woman left her water pot and she went her way into the city. And she went to those men that she knew very well. Maybe even the one she was living with. And she said to the men, come. What else can you say? Come see a man. Come and see 
the man. Come and see a man which told me all things I ever I did. He proved to me that he's the Christ. Is not this the Christ? Have you ever had that testimony? Have you ever had the joy of Christ revealing himself so much in your soul that you went to the one next to you, that you went to someone else and you said, come and see him. Come and see him. Here he is in the word. Here's what he says in his word. Here's what he said to me. Come and see a man. She saw him as a man, but she understood that it was man made flesh. It is the Messiah. She saw him. Come and see a man. Jesus said in John 6, 37, All the Father giveth me shall come to me. You know why she came to Christ that day? Because the Father had given her to the Son in eternity. That's a deep subject. And that day she came in the day of his power because all the father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Secure. Eternal salvation is secure. It's realized in time. It's realized here when the Lord says to you, you have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Come see a man. Man what was made flesh. Paul put it this way, Galatians 4, 4 and 5. He said, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. Made of a woman. Made under the law. Now we've heard a little bit about that today. Haven't we? This is what I know. This is the law I know. Made under the law. He was per perfectly fulfilled that law. Kept every jot and tittle of it. Made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. That we might receive what? The adoption of sons. That's what she's receiving now. The adoption of sons. She is his child. Come see a man. Come and see a man. Oh, I hope the Lord fills our souls with that today. Come see a man which told me all things ever I did. Has he told you everything you've ever done? Or is he some abstract being that you don't have a relationship with? Because that's what he and union is. He reveals to you everything you are. It ain't pretty. Remember what happened today. She had to be stripped. Stripped of all that sin. All that carnal knowledge. All that dependency of man. All that religion. Had to be stripped down before Christ built her up and set her on the foundation of himself. I am. That's it. That's it. That's what grace is. That's the depth of grace. Is not this the Christ? Matthew 10 32 says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men. Him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Relationship. Union. Did you hear those words? The people of God confess Christ. You are the Christ. The Son of the living God. That's not all. 
you know, because the Lord saved this woman, she went back and told him. What effect do you think that had? Well, it had some effect. It really did. People heard her. Look at 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. You hear that? You know what that is again? Religion. That's what that is. I heard what she said. She said, come see this man. She told me this guy told He told her everything. She sat there and said, he knew about my house. He knew everything about me. And they said, we believe you. We believe you. We believe this guy. Yeah, he's, he's somebody. But see, there's a problem. They've only heard her voice. That's a problem. She can't save. Only Christ can save. Many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me that ever I did. We've got a lot of young people in here today. Praise God. Love to see it. Young people, you're going to have to hear his voice. The one that brought you here today, hearing their voice and what they know, not going to do you any good. But the voice of the shepherd, he speaks to every one of his sheep. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they went to Christ. They besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. They believed because of Christ's word. Now listen to this. Listen to this testimony. Confessing Christ before men. And they said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying. Your saying didn't have power. I mean, we did believe your saying. But what this guy said to us had power. We believe it in our soul. We've left our water pots. We've left everything. We've left our fishing nets. We've left our village. We've left everything. Not because of thy saying. For we have heard him ourselves. And know that this is indeed the Christ. The Savior of the world. See that? That's individual. The Lord left his 90 and 9 and he went and saved another flock. A flock. We don't know how many, but a flock. And every one of them heard his voice. May you hear it today. Dear Heavenly Father, add thy power and thy clarity for thy name's sake. For truly, Lord, you are worthy. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.